I've been around a lot longer. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. You, you do have a cockroach effect. Donovan McNabb is with us today. CJ Fair joins us. We are joined to open the show by Josh Black. Just overall competition, right? That, that's exactly what we needed for this team. One in ten is not something you really want to use as fuel. If Steve got in a fight, I'd come to his defense because he's my bro. <laughs> if you were on the ropes, I would have stepped in. You didn't need my help. Hands off. Tucker feels his way in around his own man, and he scores untouched. It's a touchdown for Sean Tucker. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Pauly Sebelia. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you into a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. We've got a couple of guests lined up for you, both in our number two. Chris Carlson from Syracuse.com will be on with us. We'll talk some... ACC football with Chris Carlson. We may get into some basketball as well. And Brandon Steiner from Collectible Exchange uh, scheduled to join us at 1.30. But phone lines open all of hour number one. If you want to check in, 315-437-7644. We'd love to hear from you. How are you today, Paulie? I'm great, Steve. How are you? I'm good. I'm you good. in a better mood today? A little bit, yeah. I slept You're a little better last night. Yesterday. I was. I was. No, I'm, I'm better today. At least for right now. Ask me again me, in about an hour or give so. Give an hour with me yeah. and I'll ruin your day. Uh, I'm doing well. I mean, uh, did you watch any of the, the baseball game last night? No. Braves finally got it done. Least interesting World Series in the history of mankind. I don't know about that. Really was. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Um, no storylines. It was just, well, as just I, beat the Astros. Right. As I said at, at the beginning, I didn't really care going into the World Series. And then once it started, I was like, you know what? I do care. I just want the Astros to lose. And they did. They I didn't lost need to last watch night. them, though. Yeah. Uh, four games to two. Braves get it done in uh, in game six in a, a convincing win last night. Are we? Uh, we grew up in a, a a different era than are like the kids at the Megadeth. Like the Braves are kind of the Dallas Cowboys of baseball, right? Are they America's team? Like because they were on every night in yeah. every household for the eighties and nineties, right? Yeah. On TBS. The, that's I think that's fair to say. I you know maybe is I'm, it falling off though? I'm biased. I think. Um, because I'm a Yankee fan, I think. Don't say it. I think the Yankees are the Cowboys. No, don't. No, no, no. Like the Braves were a national brand. So were the Yankees. What are you talking about? They, they, they no. Get over yourself. Can okay. you just not? Can, the Braves just won the World Series. Can you have? This is such a typical Yankees fan. Can you just go five minutes without talking about your stupid team? Give somebody else this limelight for a minute. You ask my opinion. And I'm telling you that I look at the Yankees as the Cowboys maybe in now, baseball. Maybe now. But back then, the Braves were on in every household for... You're talking like the 90s. 80s, 90s. Yeah. yeah. I think that is a fair statement. And that's what I... I said that. I agreed with you. And then I said, then although... Then he had a... the Yankees. It's such a Yankee fan. I don't think this I'm wrong. This isn't about you. I think most would look at the Yankees as the Cowboys of baseball. But... Unlikable, uh, yeah. You either love them or you hate them. I don't think anybody has, maybe once upon a time, people had strong feelings about the Braves. I don't think so much anymore. Yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, they, I said, I prefaced with yeah. that. We came from a different generation where the Braves were on every yeah, night. that's fair. The only time I got to watch the Padres play was when they was, played the yeah, Braves. when they played the Braves. Yeah. Okay. Or the, or the Mets. The Cubs were on WGN. Cubs, yeah. Yeah, so. But yeah, nobody cares about the Braves right now. Freddie Freeman, you can name one of them. Like back then, you knew right. their pitching rotation. Yeah, right. you know, yeah, I was going to say, you knew the pitching staff, sure. Yeah, they were in commercials. Yeah, Chicks dig the long ball. 
Like back then, you knew Dale Murphy because they were on every night. Yeah, and they weren't even that good. Glenn Hubbard dating yourself with those references, but yeah, you remember Glenn sure Hubbard? I, do. I had a few uh, a few Glenn Hubbard baseball cards. Ken Oberkfell. <laughs> yeah, their third baseman used to be on. Uh, I think it was Ken Oberkfell that used to be on with Letterman all the time because they were in on TV. So I've completely digressed about the Braves. You have. You have. How about we play the final call from last night as the Braves get it done. World Series uh, champs for the first time since 95. 0-2 on the way. Chopper out to Dansby. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? It is! The Atlanta Braves are world champions! The Atlanta Braves have won the 2021 World Series in six games over the Houston Astros. Pure euphoria down on the field as they're bouncing all over the infield. And in the booth. Celebration going on on the field. And folks, this is what dreams are made of. See, for me, Paulie, this never gets old. Like, I, I grew up, one of the things I loved about sports growing up is when you watch a team win a championship. And that one is on my team. It, you, don't, you don't love seeing happy people. Just like grown men, pure joy, no. acting like kids. See, I love I'm that. I'm one of those guys that walks down the street, and if someone's smiling, I'm always like, what the hell is that guy so happy about? I mean, just I, last I just, week you were telling everyone you loved the them. Smile Where did that face? go? For one day, that lasted one day. Told everybody you loved them. Love what? You remember last week you were like, I love you. You were telling everybody oh, you loved yeah, them yeah, last that week. guy's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that lasted one that day. day. <laughs> it was one of the things I loved about sports as a kid was – you know, you could watch grown men act like little boys when they won a championship. Um, and it for me, it never gets old. I'm 45 now. I've been in this business for, you know, more than 20 years. Uh, watching a team celebrate a championship, for me, um, I can't speak for you. It sounds like you don't share in that. No, I only root for my team. Well, I'm not, I wasn't necessarily rooting. And, and like I said, I wanted the Braves to win because I hate the Astros. But um, I just, I enjoy watching. A team celebrate a championship. I think there's something fun about that. It's one of the things we love about sports, at least for me. Yeah. And I'm saying that, yeah, like the Braves were lovable when I was a kid, and I liked them, and now they've just kind of slipped away. Uh, like, and it's kind of sad to me. They're world champs. See, I, I would say that. And like the Braves were like a part of Americana back in the day. Okay, I would say this: Are they? Is it easier to root for them now because they're not winning the division every single year? Like they are not. No, as, I was saying that last night. I was talking to a buddy of mine. I was saying that last night. I was like, "This team, like, is it's great because it's a bunch of nobodies that yeah. nobody knows about." But they, those teams were so good, and like everybody, those the Braves back when they were stacked were so likable. Like Greg Maddox is likable. Like those were all unless you're fun in the same guys. division as those guys, then they're not. Those likeable. were all fun guys, and like you kind of feel bad for those '90s teams that they only got one. Yeah, right. Um, I don't know. There's something about rooting for a team that I mean, they overcame a lot of adversity this year. You look at the fact they lost their best player, and they beat basically they every beat the, the best, best teams. teams right? They deserved there. it. They yeah. deserved it. But to 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 come from where they were. Um, right around 500, they lose Acuna, and you think, you know, this this isn't going to be their year. I mean, he's he's their best player. He's done, and for them to overcome that, and and as you said, to go through the 
you know, the buzzsaw that they had to go through every step of the way to get to this point and to win the whole thing. The Mets had to just completely collapse, too, because, <laughs> you, you know, you, there's true. luck in every championship, and That's the Mets true. were running away with it at one point and just collapsed. Let's hear from uh, Tim Kirchin on, uh, on what a, an unbelievable story this was for the Atlanta Braves. This is a great, great story that the Braves wrote this year. They were under 500 for 126 days this year. They lost Ronald Acuna Jr. on July the 10th. They didn't get over 500 until August the 6th, and then they beat a 95-win team, a 105-win team, and then a 95-win team. They out-homered the Astros 11-2 here in the World Series and won it for the first time since 1995. Sorry, Scott. This is why baseball is the best game ever. That the only team that made the playoffs without winning 90 games ends up winning the World Series. That simply can't happen in the other sports, and that's why baseball is so beautiful. Wildcard teams win the Super Bowl. This can happen in other sports, but it is great. It's a great story for the Braves. It really is. In the in the NBA, you're not seeing a seven seed win the whole thing. Uh, you do see it in the NFL. This was a remarkable story. And oh, by the way, you know the Acuna injury kind of sort of coincided with the Mets' fall, right? I mean, to your point about how there was a little bit of fortune involved for the Braves that you know wasn't necessarily their own. You know, they didn't necessarily create their own luck. They capitalized on it. Um, but the Mets started to trail off. They got better and better as the season progressed they you know peaked at the right time as coaches will say that's what they they want they want their teams to get better and better and peak when it matters most they peaked when it mattered most yeah they got the job done and they brought he brought up a stat like being under 500 that late in the season and maybe one of the reasons i'm a little salty is because i saw a stat about my favorite team steve yeah they had the best record in baseball later than any team in baseball history in that make the playoffs. <laughs> so so maybe that's why I'm a little salty about it. Yeah. This. And you're wearing your Padres hat today. Always. Yeah. I'm always, that that's me. I root for my teams and don't care about the others. All right. Uh Freddie Freeman you mentioned uh was certainly a big storyline. This World Series didn't have a lot of great storylines, but the fact that, you know, he finally got the chance to to celebrate a championship uh, was a big deal. Here's manager uh, Brian Snitker on Freddie Freeman. He's everything that the Braves epitomize. I mean, when you talk about a Braves-type player, it's Freddie Freeman. How he comes to play every day, what he does in our community, the person that he is, the influence he has on, on all of his teammates, me in particular. I don't know what I'd do without him, quite honestly. I mean, he's my rock, too. I mean, it's like I, I go to him with things. I've been with him since the first day he came here in the big leagues. You know, he's everything that the Braves stand for. So, I mean, don't you feel good for Freddie Freeman? I mean, just be, yes. you're a baseball guy. No, I, I do. I do feel good for him. I feel, you know, um, we we talked to the play-by-play guy for the Houston Astros. I feel awful for Dusty Baker. Yeah. Dusty Baker is a good dude. I'm sorry he's tied up with this horrible franchise. <laughs> But if I want, you know, I would have loved to see Dusty Baker get overall. I mean, there's the only thing I cared about on the Astros. I was going to say there are there are some who believe he's, you know, he's not going to get in to the world to the uh, to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, this would this would have helped his case. Yeah, you know. Now, I I tend to think he's he's still got a, a shot, but you know, there are some who thought that he needed this uh, to put him over the top and to get in the Hall of Fame. You're right. I do feel bad for Dusty Baker. I don't feel bad for that organization no, not at, at all. all, though. Yeah. Um, 
And I and I'm happy for the Braves. And and again, you know, you know, I'm a Bills fan. Um, so I, I root for my team. But when my team's out of it, I, you know, I enjoy watching teams and players and franchises celebrate championships because it's it's the pinnacle. I mean, it's it's everything you you know you get up at six a.m. and put in those workouts and you know everything you everything you do to get to where you are. It's it's that moment where it just all comes together. And it's it's emotional on many levels. So um, I'm happy for the Braves uh, that they were that they were able to get it done. I am too. And I think back to their great history of Chris Chambliss, and Gerald Perry, Dale Claudel Washington. Oh, I remember him. Bob Horner. That's who I was thinking yeah, about. Yeah, was, yeah, right, right. The greats, Jerry Royster. The Braves of yesteryear are all celebrating. I feel like we could Chip, come up Chipper Jones like, like with we, an all Braves team. I was going to say I feel like we can come up with a game that that might sweep the nation with uh, old school Glenn Braves. Glenn Hubbard. Names. Did I already say him? Yeah. Yeah. Bruce Benedict, catcher extraordinaire. Pascual Perez. <laughs> all right, I'm done. Are you purposely not naming like Smoltz and Glavin? Yes, I'm naming <laughs> the Braves I grew up on. Maddox. <laughs> Everybody knows those guys. I know. I know. Chipper Jones. Never won, right? You never won a championship? No. I mean, they haven't won since 95. Yeah, so. I'm old, Steve, and I just proved it. Yeah. My breakdown of yesteryear Braves. All those off the top of your head, are you reading? Did you Google while we are talking? I won't, I won't acknowledge that. All right, fair enough. Uh, let's take a timeout. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in. Uh, we are going to talk some SU basketball today. Who's the best shooter in SU basketball history? That's on the docket next. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines open all of our number one, 315-437-7644. Going into the break, we mentioned uh, that when we came back, we were going to talk best outside shooter in SU basketball history. And if you were on QSportsTalk.com, you would know that Jordan, who is our show producer and does an excellent job in prepping for the show, lines up uh, what we're talking about Gave us an article from 2012, which would leave out, what, nine years of players. He did. He did. Um, but it, it gives it's a jumping-off point. Um, so there was a Bleacher Report article that he provided us with that, that broke down, uh, at the time, the top ten shooters, uh, according to the Bleacher Report, in SU basketball history. Uh, that list, I'll just rattle them off for you. Uh, they put Brandon Trish on the list at 10th. Well, back then, he had... He would have been because, because, uh, <laughs> he, well, he was still in the program at the time and, uh, Buddy Beheim and Elijah Hughes and others had not played yet. So Trevor, he, so he was 10th. Trevor, uh, Trevor Cooney. Yeah. Trevor Cooney. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Making him top 10. Uh, right. Todd Bergen was ninth on the list. Greg Monroe eighth. Matt Rowe, 7th, D-Nick, 6th, Devo, 5th, 
Marius Yanulis four, uh, Preston Shumpert three, Andy Routens two, and Jerry McNamara one. Look on that list. I see Lawrence Moten popping up. He shot thirty one percent from from three. Right, and we're going long range, not just like mid range, not best. Right, right. Thirty one percent is not going to get you into the top ten in my list. I mean, he was a hell of a scorer. Obviously, yes. I I don't think of Lawrence Moton. No, as... I, you, it's hard to describe how Lawrence Moton scored at all because yeah. you would the game would end and you'd have twenty five and you didn't think yeah. you touched the ball. Like, more how did that happen? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was sneaky. Um there's a reason he was the the all-time leader in in scoring in the Big East Conference. So who that who who do we need to add to the list who's not on the list currently? Uh, and that again, that list was was old. So uh, I the, struggle the more with one-year players like Matt Rowe. Yeah, shot forty-three percent. He's got he's got to be on the list though. Well, yeah, Greg Greg Monroe and Matt Rowe are like. Leaps and bounds ahead of everybody in percentage of shooting. If you went strictly by percentage, Tyler Lydon shot 40%. Do you put him, do you think of him as a shooter? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, Matt Rowe in his junior year was 47% from three. Like, That's really good. Like, he's on the list. Like, I don't, he's that might absolute- make him the best although jerry jerry towards the end of his career was forced to shoot more and was guarded i mean jerry made 400 threes yeah 400 plus he was the guy a couple years and and he was guarded like nobody else was yeah so i would put him number one i think so too um i think andy routens is right there i think you, you probably have to put See, I think when I think of James Sutherland, like he had the smoothest stroke, and he he did, he could shoot. He would be on my list, like. But I don't know how we're, what the parameters we're setting. Well, they could, I mean, because John Stock Radio could be whatever you want. John Wallace didn't take a lot, but he made them. He made them, yeah, in key spots yeah. too. Um, yeah, there's the, that there's that clutch factor, which again, Jerry had the clutch factor, and he had the volume, and he had the percentage. John um, Wallace shot thirty nine percent, but you know, picked his spots. Yeah, he he made forty one in his. I career. think Trevor Cooney's got to be on the list. Yes, um, as much as Syracuse fans would hate to hear that. There was a time when if you said the name Trevor Cooney on this show, the phone lines would light up, and it you know he half the th- people were calling in talking about how great he was half the people were calling in talking about how awful he was he, he was so, so polarizing very similar um but i mean cooney is what third all time in program history and makes he's one behind andy routens um made it to a couple of final fours I, it, trevor cooney uh is is got to be on the list would you allow andrew white the third to be on the list cuz he you know by all he shot 40% in his year here yeah um, if you're talking about, and that's the beauty of Pure sports shooters. talk radios, we can, we can make this whatever we want it to be. He's probably in the top 10, but I don't think he's, he's high on the list because he only spent one year here. You know, I think some of it has to come down to, you know, lifetime achievement to some degree, you know, lifetime at Syracuse. Um, people are, are questioning your Trevor Cooney. I, you know, of course, 
Of course, people are going to say that. He's now, I will third say this. in Trevor in, He's in third, Maid. Right, third in Maid. Dude made two Final Fours. He's one up. behind Andy Rouse. P- listen, I, as I said, there are people that you, there's no in-between with Trevor Cooney. <laughs> you either love him or you hate him. Um, I don't know why that is, but that that has always been the case. Now, the one thing that, that I will agree upon with Cooney, that people said he didn't make big shots. There was some truth to that, that when the game was on the line and he had an open look or a quasi-open look, generally speaking, it did not go in. I will give them that. He had one of the biggest, like, he 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 was in two, like, uh, that's always going to be my, yeah. Or, right. He was in two, two final, final fours. Four. Yeah. I, Yes. Top 10. Yes. I remember Sal and I, we, we came up with a stat. His numbers I don't remember aren't the, great. I don't remember the stat off the top of my head right now, but when you looked at points, assists, and steals, he's in company with like only six other guys, and it's like Jason Hart, uh, Sherman Douglas, Pearl. Like it's, it's you know, Syracuse basketball royalty, and, and he's one of the names in that list. I, again, I don't remember the stat off the top of my head, but um, – he had a heck of a career at Syracuse University. Let's check in with Tim in Eastwood. Tim, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, one name that you guys have to mention, and Paulie was during your, I think, we're about the same age, uh, and this guy played before the three-point line, both of the guys I'll mention, and uh, it's Raphael Addison. He was a great shooter. Yeah. He played the year before. His last year was 86. The year before um, the three-point line, if he had played with the three-point line, he would be by far still. Lawrence Moulton would would have been chasing him for all-time leading scorer. He was, most of his baskets were from, we'll say, 20 to 22 feet. Yeah, um, I think Gene Waldron we got to throw in there as well. I mean, Waldron scored forty uh, points in a game before yeah, before he, the three point line. Yeah, yeah. Raph Addison so shot fifty over fifty percent from the field for his career. Yeah, and most of those shots were from twenty feet or beyond. His three point percentage would have blown anybody's away. Um, I never saw Dave Bing like play at Syracuse, sure. but I'm assuming he was a pretty good shooter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, yeah. yeah, you look at what he did. Some of his single games, you know, 46, 45, 43 yeah. points. I mean, again, he did that, of course, without the three point line. Yeah, and you got to include. Uh, I mean, besides Dave Bing, Mike Lee, the Lee, and one of the Lee brothers from '75, they were they played way before the three point line, and they were great shooters. Yeah. No, and it's it's a fair point, and and I appreciate you checking in. I mean, maybe we have to to put that as the asterisk, uh, Paulie, because greatest it, three it, point shooter, yeah, since the line. Because uh, yeah, I mean, there were some great scorers in SU basketball history that did not benefit from the three point line. So maybe this has to be, um, you know, best three point shooters um, in program history since the line came to be. Uh, but that, I mean, that's a good call, and that's a good point. I mean, there were some great shooters certainly uh, back in the day that didn't have the benefit of playing with the three-point line. Yeah, and I'm looking. I'm just looking at like names of people that shot the ball really well when with the three-point line, and, and there's a there's a transfer that I remember being a great shooter, but apparently he wasn't as great as I thought he was. It was Glenn Secunda? That a name that yeah, I remember. I remember the name. Sure, he shot thirty four percent from three for his time here. Elviro Ochina, the three point shooting center. Remember him? 
Sure, of course they do. Shot twenty four percent, but, but, uh, yeah. So I remember him chucking. It felt like, but he did not shoot that many. Elijah Hughes, thirty five percent. Would you put him as a great shooter? Ah, uh, he's he's a tough all one. Um, he's fourteen all time and makes. Mm-hmm. And, and that that's the other thing too is that you know you've got. You've got guys who left early, you know. I mean, Tyus Battle finished ninth on the list. Um, if he had come back, I mean, he could have he could have made a run at most points in SU basketball he's, history. He's also a guy that his percentage would have been higher if he wasn't the he played main, on a better team. Yeah, the main focus. Yeah, yeah, he was the main focus, no doubt about it. Um, I, and like you got it, Buddy Bayheim's one two. Maybe Andy Routen's best pure shooters to ever come so to Syracuse. Th- that was going to be my follow-up question as we went to a break, and we were going to talk about this in the next segment. So why don't we do that here? I'm curious, um, who on this team do you think, at the end of the day, like when their career is up, do do they land in the top ten? I think Buddy certainly. Is there another guy or Buddy's two? Buddy's already fifth. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying in terms of best shooter in, in program oh. history. Yes, Buddy's on the list. But is there a, a Cole Swider maybe when his c- career is, is said and done? Do you think he ends up on the list? You know, I, I'm going to drive some people crazy here, but Joe Girard, does he end up on the list when all is said and done? Uh, let's take a time out here. Full lines remain open if you want to chime in on this topic. 315 437 7644. Back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is Orange Nation. All right, Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Why why do you have a smile on your face? I'm just having fun today, Steve. Okay, all right. Poking the bear in the brakes, and I like it. You are. I won't do it on the air today. I see. I let you get under my skin the last couple of days, and now that you see it, that like there's a weakness, you're like attacking there's the weakness. There's a lot weakness. of weakness. You're attacking the weakness. You're not like the Death Star where there's only like that one little tiny hole you got to hit. I got to pretend it doesn't bother me. You've got to. You got to get back to. You've got a lot of. Weaknesses. I got to get back to being focused and not. Li- I'm not listening to you. That's th- that's the key is to try to tune you out. This is important information. Breaking sports news. You hear it first. Breaking news, Steve. According to QSportsTalk.com chat, Kevin in Liverpool. It's snowing a little bit in Cicero. Ugh. Did you say it snowed in the Tug Hill? Yeah, they got nine inches Last according night. to a meteorologist CBW in our. Wow. I literally trust the Q Sports Talk chat way. More than I should like. If they say something, it's true. So I that's be- a dangerous I, way to I, live. I know. I believe anything they say is breaking news. Like, oh, it's it's hailing in Beeville, according to Josh's love child. We're talking uh, SU's greatest shooters, and somebody we are. And uh, Ron and Cicero has a different question for us. What's up, Ron? Hey, I have a quick question for you. Who do you guys per- think would be the best scorer off the? I would personally say, to me, I know Deion Waiters didn't start originally. He came off the bench. Right. But I kind of like James Sutherland. Okay. I, I mean, I think Deion's the answer to the question. Um, Chris Joseph, wasn't he, yeah, he sixth was, man of the year one year or two? He was, yeah, so keep, was Scoop Jardine. 
Yeah, Scoop was on. Uh, Scoop's got to be on the list when he was a six man. Chris Joseph. I think Dion's the answer to the question, Ron. Um, but but yeah, I mean Sutherland certainly up there. I mean, Paulie wants to put him on the list for top three point shooters as well, or at least under consideration. So um, and, yeah. And to answer the question also, with this snowing in Cicero, I'm working out on it right now. All right, thank oh, you. So so he can confirm. See, that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, Let's go to Ron and Cicero for <laughs> live breaks. See, we're supposed to. Have, you're supposed to. Confirm something with two sources. So now now we have the confirmation that we're looking for. Chris Joseph as sixth man of the year averaged 11 points and five rebounds. See if I can get Google this one. Deion Waiters, sixth man. All right, let's see. Boo, 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 boo. Yeah, Deion never started a game here. I think he's the answer to the question, right? It's got to be him. Yeah, why am I? Uh, what year was he? Six. It had to be 2011-12. He uh, averaged points per. He averaged 12 points a game, so he scored more than Chris Joseph off the bench. Who's he? Dion. Yeah, yeah. He averaged 12.6, and uh, I mean they they went through that that stretch where. I mean, they had arguably the best six man of the year for multiple years with yeah. Joseph and Jardine and and Dion and um, I mean that was always a big weapon for them. And again, I'm not saying that Benny Williams is going to be the best six man, you know, in in the country, but they potentially could have that again this year with Benny Williams to yeah. getting that little spark off the bench. So, um, which again, come next Tuesday, you're going to owe me twenty dollars, but. Um, there is something to be said for that. A guy Scoop who can Jardine come in and, the and change national the national yeah. six man of the year. That's pretty impressive. I mean, there's something to be said for that when you have a guy who can come in off the bench and change the game. Um, and you know what? Kadari, to some degree, had that ability last year to, to come in and, you know, he would switch, switch things up um, and provide a spark and, you know, instantaneously impact the game. And, you know, Benny Williams may have that that type of impact this year uh, coming off the bench at the forward position. Yeah. Um, I don't know that they'll get the numbers that you would expect out of, uh, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to put up huge numbers like that, but the, the bench is going to be better than normal. Right? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, now, with that being said, we know that, the later the that's, season goes, Jim Bayham tends to, you know, the rotation gets a little bit tighter and he goes with his seven guys. Let's try not to compare people to Chris Joseph, Scoop Jardine, and Dion Waiters too soon. Right? Yeah, who, lot, who was doing that? I wasn't comparing. I'm just saying. Oh, like, yeah. Didn't you just say Benny Williams could? I'm, I, I prefaced it by saying I'm not in any way insinuating he's going to be the national, you know, six man of the year or anything like that, but they've got a stud coming off the bench who can impact the game when he enters right. the lineup. That was my point. I'm not comparing him to those three guys. And Tuesday, I'll give you, or Wednesday afternoon, I'll give you the $20 I owe you because Benny Williams will be available to win the six man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, in any event, I, I, good question. Um, but, I, yeah, I think I think Dion's the answer. I mean, Dion's the best six man in program history. Right. Although, I mean, yeah. it's hard to argue with Scoop, though. If, if you win the national, you you were. Yeah, I mean, you he, can't go by what happened the year you weren't the sixth man. I'm just saying. I mean, he was the 
You know what I'm like. You can't go buy his top top five NBA draft. You can't, I know, but you can't go. You're you're looking at what they did in their their career overall. Like you can't go. You can't go by what someone did in their NBA career. Did you just say Dion averaged more points than those two guys? No, I said he averaged more, more than Chris Joseph. Joseph. Okay, but I'm just saying. And I believe the question posed to us was best scorer off the bench. Okay, well, Dion, and so yeah, Dion yeah, is yeah. the answer. Yes. Um, because Scoop was, you know, he brought other things to the team. I mean, he Billy ran, Eland ran is team. a good one. Red Rob. That's a good uh, one. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, he. There were games he dominated. Like yeah. I remember him coming in against Notre Dame at Notre Dame one game, just dominating. That game. He's the answer to a trivia question as, as it pertains to the national title game. He made the final field goal of that game. Cool. I don't know that, why I bother with you. That, you are, I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm not going to let it bother me. All right, I'll write maybe, that down. I, maybe the folks in you know Q Sports Talk chat are appreciating that, or our listeners at home or at work are appreciating that stat. You don't have to appreciate it. Billy Eagle was, the, was cool, dude. the player who had the final field goal, responsible for the final field goal in the national championship game. I don't care if you don't care. I didn't know that. Now you do. Yeah. CBW in our Q Sports Talk chat saying he didn't know that either. Fascinating. I would use the word fascinating for that. I almost just said I can't stand you, but I'm can, not. I'm can not going to. Not going to let you get under my skin. What? Can we come to a consensus of who is? So the question the was before the shooter. break. The question before the break was: Buddy's going to be on the list. Buddy's on the list already. Joe Cole, either of them, at the end of the day, after their career is up. You think they belong on this list, regardless of how many threes they make at Syracuse? Are they? Do you think they'll be in a top ten? Not Joe, three point shooter. No, not Joe. Cole's got. I Cole's think Cole, got a chance. Cole's yeah. got a, the, the potential, and, and we're Joe, saying that based on two if you know, Joe's exhibition games for two more years, and he's going to have the volume. Yeah, a lot's got to change. Because when I think Joe Girard, I think he's a solid player. He takes bad shots. Like if you took. If you had, when you say if he's going to be here two more years, he's got three years yeah, of eligibility yeah. left. You, this one, and yeah, two, yeah, that's yes, what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So he, you've, you've got. If you had worst shot selection, yeah, I'd put him up there. But uh, I, I would take him as a starting point guard any day. Gamer, uh, Moxie, I believe a caller likes to call in and use Moxie. the word a lot. Uh, I like him as a player overall, but yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not ready to put him in the great shooters yet. But he's got time to improve that. Yeah, he from does. what I've seen from Cole Swider, it's a different level of shooting than Joe Girard. Yeah, which is what I said. You know, these two. Like, and I don't games. think Joe Girard would be insulted if you asked him if you told him that Swider and Buddy Beheim were better shooters than him. You know, that's it's not an insult, right? I mean, they have the luxury. I mean, I, I think there are some comparisons to Joe and Trevor Cooney in terms of three-point yes. shooting ability. I would take those two in a second on my team. Right. Um, it just so happens Joe is here when there's a you know an all-time great shooter, which should help them. I mean, we've been saying that, that the fact that you've got three guys that are so proficient from the outside, it's gonna, they're going to help each other. Like, it's not just Buddy. You know, you bring up Tyus Battle. I mean, the focus was from a three-point perspective was Tyus Battle, right? I mean, there there were times yeah. when he was the only outside on the court. You have the ability this year to put two or three other guys on the court with Buddy Bayheim. 
I mean, that's going to help him. Everybody's going to be helped by each other. You know, you know, you know who, uh, you know who doesn't get the recognition, and he's number two on the list is uh, Andy Rowans. Yeah, he was nails too. You think of that six overtime game? Yeah. That alone, like he hit. isn't that when you say he Andy Routens, isn't that the shot that comes to Montview where he curled around yes. the screen and gave them their first lead in, yeah. in the overtime? Like that's when I think Andy Routens, that's the shot I think of. He is probably top. I can't do Matt Rowe. I love Matt Rowe. I mean, his numbers are gaudy, but it, like I, he wasn't here the whole time. You know. He was a heck of a shooter. Yeah, and Matt Rowe is on the list. Like if you're if you're saying top ten, Matt Rowe's on it. He has to be. I don't know. You don't know. No, I know he's one of the best shooters all the time. But like I, Andy Routens is. You're docking that, him a couple spots because he didn't. He, uh, he, he wasn't can here call his in and yell at me. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely on the list. He's Paul. top five. He's definitely on the yeah. list. Yeah. But Andy Routens hit huge shots. It is, yeah, and I put James Sutherland in my top ten. What is where, where's Sutherland? I know you have the list in front of you. Where, where is he? He's he can't be top ten in makes. No, he is seventeenth uh, yeah. all time. Okay, but he shot thirty seven percent from three. Another guy, not you know, talked about his shot was kind of weird like he had a weird rotation on his shot. You're going to say Benage. No. Oh. Devendorf. Oh, okay. Like that ball spun weird when he shot it. I thought you were going to bring up Benage cuz I just pulled up the list that you're looking at. Benage was 38.5% from 3. He was he was even better than Sutherland. Yeah. You, you don't think about Michael Benage in, in that regard. No. And Matt Rowe is 15th but 43%. That's sick. Buddy Beheim is I'd go Jerry, Buddy, Andy, Matt Rowe, Demetrius. Yeah. I mean, Greg Greg Monroe made just shy of 44% of his threes. Don't sleep on uh, Marius Yanoulis either. He shot almost 40%. He basically shot 40% from three. I don't think people know how hard that is. <laughs> I do. I <laughs> I can't shoot forty percent from the free throw line. Yeah, that, I mean that is that's insane. Um, yeah, I I'm with you on Buddy. I think I think by the end of this year, there is a chance that we may look at him as, you know, a top three outside shooter in program history. He may already be there for some. Um, let's see how he does this year. But I mean, I mean, just that last month, month and a half alone from last season, uh, he was lights out. Um, so he, yeah, he's he's definitely on the list and and he's climbing. All right, let's take our final time out I, here I, I, I did in hour number one. I do yeah. want to press. You, you, we made it all the way through that without mentioning Preston Shumpert once. He well, I said it right off the top. He, he was on that that list from twenty. The old, from he's 2012. fourth all he's fourth, time. Yeah, and we didn't mention him. He's got to be on the list too. He shot thirty seven percent in his fourth and makes. Yeah, just about just about thirty eight percent for his career. Because again, Buddy right now uh, coming into this year was thirty, just over thirty-seven percent. Shumper was just shy of thirty-eight percent. So from a percentage standpoint, uh, Shumper was even better. But we've seen Buddy turn it on. I mean, I, Preston also hit a huge shot too against Kentucky in the tournament. Am I dating myself with that reference too? No, I'm I'm with you. I'm with. I mean, we, we're we're both old. I know that. Um, 
and and there I think there has to be some of the clutch factor, mm-hmm. you know, factored into this. Yeah, maybe maybe next week we will do that. The most like Jerry's going to lead that list, right? I think Jerry's got Jerry's got to be on that list. You mentioned Wallace. Um, I think Tyus Battle was a really clutch player. Hit a game winner at the buzzer. Yeah, oh, you know. Georgetown game comes to mind. I mean, he's he had hit a few. Of them. Yeah, he's had a few Clemson. Of them. Yep, he'd be on the list. Yeah, Clemson when he had the flu, mm-hmm. he almost didn't play that the flu night. game. Yeah, Michael who? Yeah, almost didn't play that night. Hit a game winner. Um, had that shot against Florida State in uh, the double overtime. Shot. I mean, he he was a cl- he was a really clutch player. We'll do that next week. Uh, and we'll get right. a list newer than 2012. Of the clutchest. Why don't, we can just come up with our own list. Yes, we, we don't will. have to rely on somebody else to come up with it. We'll take our final time out here in hour number one, wrap things up, and then we've got uh, Chris Carlson set to join us at 1 o'clock to talk some ACC football. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.